Now, Tunisia's president, Kai Saeed, says, and I quote, Tunisia must rely on its own capabilities and God alone to overcome the economic, social and financial challenges it faces. It is this rhetoric that has gotten the nation's economic minister, Samir Saeed, sacked. He was a proponent of an IMF bailout agreement for the struggling nation. The president's move is said to complicate Tunisia's relationship with the lender. And Peter Dupree, senior economist at Oxford Economics Africa, joins us with his analysis of what this means for the North African country. Peter, thank you for your time and a good afternoon to you. Thank you for having me. Peter, just how much does this latest move by the president in Tunisia affect the chances of this government clinching a deal with the IMF? So I think it's really easy, easy to say that this is really going to complicate the situation with the IMF. Like you said, uh, Mr. Economy was quite clear, uh, clear in saying that the country needs the IMF to meet its future, future obligations. And not just for a deal from the IMF, there's quite a few loans that is um, contingent on the I Tunisia reaching a deal with the IMF. So th that can make it very difficult um, for the country. Um, last week, the IMF said they will actually visit the country in, in December this year, and the IMF said they are still very much keen to engage with Tunisia uh, going forward. But Mr. Saeed is making it very difficult at, at this point in time. He has called the IMF diktats. Um, he has called the IMF or the multilateral organization as not sacred. And he said the policies they want to impose on the country will actually lead to some riots and protests. So it's definitely not making the situation easier and it will make the negotiations between him and his government and I am uh, very interesting. We are almost a year on from reaching a, server, a staff level agreement rather with the IMF, but still no sign from the executive board. What are the sticking points there? Yeah, it's interesting. It's now 365 days on. Um, interesting on that Reuters data the other day released. That's now a new record um, recorded on in history for any country that has tried to secure an IMF loan. Um, pre the actual median days between reaching a staff level agreement and going on getting a sign off from executive board is about 55 days. So we know 365 is still ticking. So it's, it doesn't look good at this stage for, for, for Tunisia. And there's also no, given that it's gone on so long and so much has happened, there's also not a restructuring or a reorganized deal has been put on the table from Tunisia's side. But getting back to the sticking points, um, the IMF was quite clear in, in what they want uh, from the government. Um, the main ones is they want the, uh, the government to lower the fiscal deficit. And within this fiscal deficit, they want the government to contain the wage bill and also reduce the subsidies on uh, certain commodities. Um, except that they also want the um, privatization of some state-owned enterprises and they want a more flexing, flexible exchange rate regime. Now, we haven't seen any movement on privatization of, of, of state-owned enterprises. The central bank is still, in a way, uh, managing the exchange rate via the reserves. And then, yes, uh, well, this morning we saw actually a snippet coming from the, for the 2024 budget, uh, which is also not promising, as the expenditure shown that the government is still making provisions for some large um, subsidies next year. So that will also not um, please the IMF to see that the government is still um, not willing or having any political will to have changes towards these very important uh, reforms.
And how has this uncertainty affected the local economy? This one is, is it's difficult to say. It's difficult to say how the, first, the, the fiscal woes and the debt situation has directly affected the country. Because we have seen so many severe challenges facing the economy. If you think over the last year, we're still seeing the spillover effects from the war in Ukraine. Uh, we still see re uh, tourism rebounding from, uh, from the pandemic. We also have severe food and medicine shortages because of import restrictions. And then the country is still facing a severe drought. So going through all these shocks that the country is, is currently facing, it's difficult to pinpoint what's the effect, direct effect of the, of the government's woes. Um, what we have seen is economic growth slowing down to 0.6% year-on-year in Q2. Uh, that's from 2% in Q1. So at this point in time, we definitely see economic growth slowing this year, and we also expect it to stay very low next year. Now, we know, Peter, that the reason uh, that Tunisia knocked on the IMF's door initially was because it was uh, facing some, uh, you know, external balance pressures. What is the latest developments around uh, the government's ability to meet its obligations? Okay, let's get away a bit from all the negative news. And I mm -hmm. think there's, there's some positive news now that we can then throw out there. Unfortunately, the positive news is also only short-term um, related. So... Luckily for the, gov uh, for the government, we have seen on the balance of payment side that exports have increased substantially in, in the first half of this year, while imports have decreased. So we have seen an improvement in, in the trade balance. And on the other end, we have seen a sharp rebound in tourism and as well as remittance flows. And uh, tourism is a very important aspect for the, for the Tunisian economy. Uh, just over the May-July period, we have seen um, more than one million visitors to the country on a monthly basis. Even the July number is the second largest on, in, in history. And if you just take the first seven months in, into consideration that it's 5% higher than the same period in 2019, which is in the pre-pandemic year. So tourism has now rebounded to its pre-pandemic levels. And given that tourism receipts during this period has increased by 41%, this has also helped, uh, given a boost to reserves, which has been on a decline over the last year. So external balances have decreased, uh, external balance pressures have decreased quite a lot. Um, and given that reserves has now uh, remained flat lately and the government receiving some soft loans from Saudi Arabia and, and uh, from some members in the European Union, we are now fairly confident that the government will meet its uh, Eurobond uh, payments due of 500 million euros now in October and 850 million euros due in February. That being said, that's a short-term positive news. The long-term news is still very negative. Um, I think that if, you, if you do the calculations, it's, it's still very clear that they need the IMF deal to progress because from 2025 onwards, the amortization coming up is much larger than the ones we've just spoken about. So they need the 1.9 billion from the IMF. And there's also another $1 billion European loan that's contingent on the IMF deal that they can get. So they at least need this $3 billion to make sure they can make payments from 25 to 27 onwards, given there's still a lot of factors facing them. That's um, severe downside pressure. We're thinking about the geopolitical tensions in, in uh, the Middle East and how that can maybe spill over if there is uh, movements from Egypt. We also see their largest trading partner, uh, Europe, having a slowdown next year. So yeah, the odds are stacked against them for more for the longer term uh, possibilities. Peter, could all these uh, developments affect the president's uh, in the next election? 
It could possibly, yes. Um, at this point in time, our baseline is still that he's probably eschewing, um, given the low voter turnout in the country. You think about most of his um, containers are actually in jail. And then you also have him, the state of enterprises uh, backing him at this stage. But should he move over and he should show some uh, um, movement on the on the reform side, uh, he could possibly uh, upset labor unions. And if that happens, we could see strikes. We know the private sector is not in favor of Mr. Saeed's um, policies. So all this volatility could actually increase the drama leaving, uh, leading up to next year's election. Certainly one worth watching, Peter. Thank you so much for speaking to us this afternoon. Always a pleasure. That was Peter Dupree, he's senior economist at Oxford Economics Africa.